Hello there, everyone, and welcome back to Mortis FM, a Star Wars podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Grayson, and with me is my best friend and resident Star Wars expert, Cole. Hello, my friend. How are you uh, this day or night, depending on uh, the listener's time of day? <laughs> uh, I'm doing great. Uh, I can't complain. Two, two nights ago, was it two nights ago? Today is Thursday, so yes. Episode, was it? Six episode six of Ahsoka. We're already at episode six now. Yes, sir. Uh, two episodes left. Um, we're back quicker than usual after getting episode five out, but trying to get back on a regular schedule. I had a whole bunch of computer issues before I record before we started recording this, but thankfully, something happened. The the force. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, episode six um, of Ahsoka was quite quite good um i don't think there is as much to talk about in terms of uh dialogue in terms of like you know impactful character arcs but to anyone who was complaining about last week's episode about like oh how it just puts the plot at a halt or whatever your patience people your patience has been rewarded like cole has been saying do not forsake the journey for the destination but we are at the destination now people you can be quiet this episode was feeding us just we 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 are well fed we are well well fed now so let's just go ahead and jump right into it well i want to say first of all i mean you like this episode right i i love this episode oh absolutely i thought that this episode was great Uh, i have no i have no issues whatsoever um it's you know, it gave us everything that we, I, I suppose, were expecting and more. Um, mm. I didn't expect to have so many reveals uh, in this one episode, uh, but I am happy to to already be at such a furthered point in the plot in just yeah. in just one episode. So yeah, they they definitely could have held off on the amount they showed us and been like, oh, episode seven, like you know, we're gonna we're gonna just show the bad guys in episode six, and then we're gonna show, you know, Sabine finding Ezra in episode seven. But no, they were like, listen, we gave you Ahsoka's big episode. Now Ahsoka's barely in this episode, which is I'm fine with because we got such a big Ahsoka episode. We didn't get the these characters last week, so now we get the kind of the flip side. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but we do start off with Ahsoka in the pretty in the beginning. She has a little discussion with Hugh. We get a little bit of get a little meta uh, where he uh, they're talking about I believe it is the the history of the galaxies at volume one two and three which uh, I think we both I think we both watched this video but uh, Alex from Star Wars Explained was kind of saying that he thinks that this was possibly like commentary on uh ah- ahsoka and huang kind of choose their favorite volume of the of the set and now they're like oh she's like oh volume i think she says volume one is these is, is the best yeah, or she, whatever. yeah she's like the first one's the best yeah uh, and it's like clearly like you know star I, I i like the idea of it like being kind of a a, a little outside or i guess in universe kind of allegory for every star wars fan kind of having their own trilogy or maybe era of star wars but um but even then i think it's cool that like my head canon is you know we recently found out that like huang at least in the encyclopedias is like twenty five thousand years old yeah so, yeah. yeah he's so, a, he's an old guy he's a he, he's, he's lived the history yeah he's uh, a little rusty 
he's the he's the cooler Professor Benz from from uh, Harry Potter. If anybody gets that very deep cut reference, well, well I, what I thought was even more interesting was that he didn't just um, do lightsaber construction because, like, up until this point, we always just kind of thought like, oh, you know, he he helps mm-hmm. the the younglings build their lightsabers, but. In that, in this scene that we're that we're talking about, it's directly said that he like told stories and and, and history to younglings at the temple, you know. Mm-hmm. And so he was, I'm going to assume he was actively there most, if not all of the time, when they weren't in yeah. deep space constructing their lightsabers. Um, so that's just really cool. Like I like to hear about this, um, like like the multi purposes of of Professor Huang. Um, yeah. So yeah, very cool. Uh- I'd be cool, assuming that this project doesn't die like all other Star Wars projects. That's a whole other discussion for another episode, which I'm sure we will do about the the flurry of projects that will they happen, won't they happen, I don't know. But it'd be really cool if in the Dawn of the Jedi film that James Mangold is, is supposed to be working on that got announced at this past celebration, if Huang was a was a main droid character in that, we get to see kind of his genesis. It would be very cool. I would love to see him be uh, I would love to see whoever made him. I think that would be yeah. that would be great. And also That'd be cool. Um it could have it could set up some great moments of him learning the lesson that a master and an apprentice need to stick together which would connect to you know in ahsoka when he tells sabine and ahsoka to stick together or something like that yeah really just something that would translate eons of time of in in his experience you know yeah it's seeing like a kind of a you know i I don't know if you can say like youthful when it comes to the droids because you know their programming kind of tends to remain the same but you do see character arcs for droids you know they're not exempt from that and i think it'd be cool to see like a you know, whoever made Huang serving that purpose, seeing him kind of like upholding the Jedi's philosophy um, from the very beginning. But maybe we'll see if that project happens. But if they did that, I'd be I'd be pretty hyped. But with it, then we get the most meta thing in the whole episode, which also connects directly into the title of the episode being he says ah- Ahsoka is like, ah, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> and then and then I, I don't remember what what happens, but it bas- basically he's like she's like, actually, do tell me the I think they have a discussion about whether Sabine, you know, it kind of Ahsoka still thinking about Sabine's decision on how she did. She made a selfish decision and whether I don't think it was out of blame, but necess- but maybe like if she's really up for this task they more or less um, just kind of briefly discuss the ramifications of what is going to happen yeah uh, and then ahsoka's just like you know what why don't you just tell me one of those stories instead right uh I mean, and then you know da- D- david Tennant now has the like the bragging rights of being the guy that says uh, a long time ago in a galaxy far far away in the star wars universe canon um which is mm-hmm. which is just very cool, but also for one thing, even though I was so excited to jump forward into this new galaxy, um, I feel like I am one of the select few that kind of wished that the scene remained so I could hear Huang tell the story, because I was genuinely interested to hear about right. the history of the galaxy. Um, I bet the reason they cut from it is because they were like. We don't know. <laughs> we, well, yeah, we, definitely. Like, yeah. I was almost positive. I was like, man, 
even they don't know. But I would have sat there for an entire yeah, episode yeah. and listened to him just talk. Um, right. But you know, we 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 now jump forward into this, into the at, at the very least, I, I believe the next scene is uh, on the ship. Uh, I think we're it's we're we're with Sabine in the jail cell and. Well, I was I was gonna say he says a long time ago in a galaxy far far away, and then we get the reveal of the t- the title of the episode. Being yeah. Far, far away. Yeah. Uh, which I think is just in, indicative of just like, it is obviously a parallel. I, some people, did I, when he said like far, far away, I was kind of like, okay. Like I didn't like roll my eyes, but I was like, haha, funny, you know? But I wasn't bothered by it, but I like the idea that it fits in line with both canon and legends of these stories throughout time in the galaxy, in Star Wars, are are like folk tales. They're like, they're, they're myths, they're legends, you know? And so mm-hmm. when people talk about like legend stories, it's like, well, what if it was just a, a story interpreted a different way, you know, whether that be the Bane trilogy or heir to the empire or like any, any of these legend stories, like they're just, they're just adapted over time. And so I like the idea that like the, you know, the story that we are being presented of these are of the movies that say a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away are just, it's like someone. It, it is. It is like someone in the universe telling these stories to us. Like when, even like when C three PO in Return of the Jedi is telling the Ewoks of what happened. You know. I um, man, I just had a completely meta thought. Uh, go for it. What if it's just like Huang that's been telling us these stories all this time? Uh, That'd be crazy. Because I mean, he's the guy that he's the only person that we know of that says it in canon, um, and now canonically can tell these stories and he's already lived 20,000 years. So what's another, you yeah. know, 20,000 years? That would be a, the, on that the, would be crazy. On the flip side of him being in in the the Dawn of the Jedi movie, it'd be awesome to see him in the new Jedi Order movie with Rey. Oh yeah. Imagine that'd him be cool. being like I think if anybody were to be there It'd be him, you know. Yeah. If I mean, if Luke and Leia and wherever Ahsoka's at at this point in time, like, assuming that you know Rey is one of the last Jedi left to try to rebuild it, come on, Huang has got to be kicking, right? But I don't know. I mean, dude, um, he's man, guy's always kicking. Dude is resilient. Uh, he's. I mean, if he's been around twenty five thousand years, like, he, I don't know. But, but yeah. So then we get back to the the villains. Finally. Uh, finally. And they're basically they 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 are they are the rest of this episode. We shift from their perspectives, and you know, there's multiple people in the party of them, as well as Sabine. Um, and I, dude, from this point forward in the episode, I was just like hooked. I was like, dude, I'm I'm in for this. Like, oh. I was like, this is so unknown. Like, where are we going? Mm-hmm. What is happening? Uh, and they like, I mean, it is just. If the last episode was all about character development, this one is all about lore drop it, like lore dump. Like it's yeah. like here's all this really cool lore building stuff that like I'm just like yes, give it to me. I ironically in in Star Wars, which is filled with all sorts of aliens and creatures and different worlds and artifacts, this is the first time I've watched Star Wars where something truly felt alien. You know? Yes, you're right. Like this feels, you know, because like, of the setup of being in a different galaxy. You're like, I don't know what I'm getting into. Right. You know, like even even if you were going to like a different planet, 
in, I don't know, like the Outer Rim or something like that, it would still feel like, okay, yeah, I'm still in the Star Wars galaxy, but no, yeah. we're outside of it. And now it feels completely uncharted. It feels alien. It feels like we're visiting yeah. something that we don't know. And yeah, it fills you with this, um, I would say like this, this excitable dread, like this curiosity that you're like, man, I really want to know what's over there. That, that's like, I think that's why I love space fiction and just cosmic horror in right. general is because it's just uh enticing um i was about to say this episode has a lot of i would say f- fantasy cosmic horror elements well uh this feels ve- this is a very i wouldn't say dreary episode but a very it's it's not not dark, but I, I mean it's a kind of a spookier episode, and we'll get into oh, why. Yeah. Well, I mean from the get go, it's and I I literally just had this thought, but it's very entertaining to me how Peridia and like this, you know, far far away galaxy is not only alluring and calling to you know Morgan Elsbeth and Shin and Balin. But it's also calling to the viewers. You know, all mm-hmm. of us feel drawn to this place and enticed right. to this place. So, like, it really kind of tethers everybody together in just this perfectly presentable way. Um, yeah. It's very entertaining. And, and speaking of, like, when we, like, jump out of hyperspace and see Peridia, then we get our lore dump. One, uh, one from Balin where he mentions that uh, the folklore in the temple that the star whales basically used to venture here as as a graveyard um the ring is made of pergil skeletons of yeah, their bones which, which is, is in was it's metal like <laughs> yeah yeah um and then and then morgan tells us that this is the ancestral homeworld of the dathomiri the, the night sisters yeah. um yeah. which okay all right here we i mean yeah Uh, um, Star Wars Explained pointed this out in his video, um, but now it makes perfect sense that Night Sister Magic, which is still the Force, is so vastly different from, like, um, the understanding in the main galaxy, like like the usage from the Jedi and the Sith. Now it makes sense, because, like, as I said in a Mm -hmm. previous episode, it's like, oh, I wonder what the Force will be like in another galaxy. It'll probably be different, but it'll still be the Force. Now, yeah. like, you know, different understandings, and, you know, I just think that that's so cool. I think that's yeah. great. I th- Star Wars has done, like, like in the new canon, has done some interesting ways of, like, adapting the Force into new mythologies. But for 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 most intents and purposes, it's been the same. Like, people have called it different things, but, like, you know, Kylo, he's not a Sith, but like, I mean, he uses the Force the exact same way. Zeb's culture of people, they call the Force something else, but it works just like the Force. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like the Night Sisters has always been like, you know, we've always known that their magic is some sort of aspect of the Force, but it's wildly different in the in the way it is utilized and how, yeah. like, the understanding of it. Um, so. I didn't. Re- I didn't really think that the 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 Night Sisters and the witches would be such a massive part of this show. Um, I definitely think you and I had expectations that we were like, okay, are we gonna get the the Rakatans? Are we gonna get the um, oh God? What are the guys from Legends? Yuzhan uh, Vong. The Yuzhan Vong. Yeah. Like, no. Are we gonna get the? Are we gonna get the Chiss? Are we gonna get the? You know, whatever. Um, but then I was like. 
uh, first, I, I admittedly, I was a little like disappointed. I was like, oh, man, like I was hoping it was going to be something we'd never seen before. But then I mm-hmm. thought about it and I was like, no, like the Night Sisters are like so out there in terms of like they're they're a very foreign entity and faction. Yeah. Like I, th- I think it's really cool that they're from this other galaxy, you yeah. know, and only a very small section of them will like resided in our main galaxy which at this point there's very little like the only ones that we possibly can know of were Elsbeth and Marin um, yeah if Marin is still out there at this point in the timeline so yeah actually not really sure where where the rest of them are are in the galaxy because they were all wiped out by Grievous yeah um, so it makes their their organization even more mysterious yeah um, um but I like that, and yeah, I mean, and we get on the planet, um, and they start, they, they, dude, the 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 high fantasy or like gothic fantasy, I wouldn't say gothic, but dark fantasy vibes of this episode are crazy. It's, like, P- Peridia feels extremely desolate. Um, yeah. It feels it feels very desolate and very old. Um, like, as soon as you take a look at the expanse of the planet, it, I mean, it looks abandoned. And, like, we, we know that it's not because of the, you know, the roving nomads and, and you know, different types of cultures. And even the Night Mothers are still there. But, like... The Great Mothers. Yeah, you, you take a look at this planet and it's like, wow, this planet is old. Like, the, I'm getting, like, Moraban, Korriban, uh, Ryloth vibes from this. I mean, immediately, I, I this planet connecting even more so to Ahsoka's transition from gray, gray to white. But I was like, this episode feels very Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Like immediately I, when they get to the great mother town, I was like this, I just, I don't know why instinctively I was like, this makes me think of Minas Tirith or it makes yeah. me think of the eye of Sauron, like the tower. Uh, what is the name of that tower? Um, uh, Baradur. Oh yes. Um, um, and then also Orthanc, which was Saruman's, tower i believe yes it, and all they're just these very dark monolithic towers that just look they just look so ominous and oppressive but, you know but also those massive night sister statues yeah that, dude that almost look like they've been placed like randomly you know mm-hmm. but but at the same time it's a uh, it's just this kind of architecture that we don't understand and that we don't understand just- the significance of um which just makes it all the more intriguing so it's like man yeah. what did things used to like what did their culture used to be like here yeah this the peridia feels almost like the the anti jetta like it's, it does. it's like it's yeah. like a polar opposite of jetta or it's like it's it just seems i don't yeah it, it's so you un, like unique uh but i'm a i'm a big fan of it like you said like all the different cultures and stuff like that but um yeah, so they 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 pull up with their their hyperspace ring, and uh, and they get to this tower, and um, or I guess they they pull up, they send their little shuttle down, and Balin and Shin and Morgan and, and Sabine are taken out, and we meet the Great Mothers, and um, finally seeing seen, like true Night Sisters in, in live action, yeah, full garb, full like, tattoos and makeup, and like, uh, like voiced over. Uh, lines as well, Dude. like uh, yeah, m- the, multi-layered. That's what I wanted to say. Yeah, the whispers are like haunt or like echoing over their voice. It's really cool. Yeah. Uh, um, 
and uh, they're like they're basically like take us to Thrawn and they they take Sabine and lock her up. Um, and well, they uh, say she reeks of Jedi, uh, which is a good sign. Yeah, that's that that's interesting. Like it made me wonder. Like, uh, does that mean that she has traces of? usage of the force that way within her or is it like oh we can tell that she's been trained by a jedi you know like it's yeah like where where is that um how, how do you how do you how do you scan for that you know like do, do you go to the airport and you go through something it's like oh man jedi you know like where yeah. <laughs> where where does that where does that leave a trace um so that's very interesting i, I and that one thing that specific line made me think of some of my friends were asking they were like oh well you know i want to know what happened between thrawn and ezra like why is ezra you know what happened when as soon as they crashed there and i'm like i'm willing to bet thrawn made a deal with the with the the great mothers which we get a, a direct confirmation of this at the very end of the episode but I'll, I'll wait till we till that happens that i'm like they likely were immediately against ezra because they again probably sensed that he was a jedi right they have access to the force they're able to maybe read into his thoughts as well yeah um well see and, and that probably drove him off and thrawn was able to make an alliance with the great mothers yeah that's what i think no like that's that's a good that, that i mean that's that's a good theory what intrigues me now though is like are these have these great mothers ever left Peridia? And if not, how do they know about Jedi that much? Yeah. Because as far as we know, the Jedi have never gone to another galaxy. Unless they have. Unless they have. It all That'd be a really cool story. Peridia. Well, see, they might be connected to... They might be connected to something greater, um, which is a theory I'm going to bring up uh, later on in the episode. Okay. Uh, yeah, just be prepared to put on your tinfoil hat because I've got a I've got Dude, a big old theory I, at the end. Of I, this. I'm loving the tinfoil hats uh, on each of these episodes. So yeah. I'm all for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they they lock her up, um, and they're like, we want to see Thrawn, and they're like, patience, um, it, patience. It, it doesn't take much, at least as for us as viewers, because then Thrawn, there's a really cool moment where Sabine is, she's trying to use the force on the door. Um, and uh, then you get this this grand rumble. Um, well, actually, and it, I, I, but before before Thrawn shows up, we do have a brief little scene with Balin and Shin as they're waiting for uh, him to arrive. I think I forgot about this. They're, 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 what, what are they? They're, they're kind of like walking around like the, the place where they where they landed, I guess. Um, where the uh, where the night mothers were before, um, and Shin basically asks him about like the kind of power that they're here for, and Balin says mm. that he seeks the beginning, and he says he says that the kind of power that Thrawn has and offers is fleeting. So he doesn't. So so, so we know now that he doesn't care about Thrawn's power at all. Mm -mm. He said like, and and Balin goes into this like thing first where he mentions that you know there's always a, a rise of something and an end of something it just keeps happening it keeps cycling it's, it's very true yeah. the fall of the jedi rise of another power happens over and over and over yeah and he's he's not wrong you know like i'm i mean valen's kind of spitting he, bars here i was gonna say he's spitting <laughs> yeah, he's 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 not wrong so, but but what he seeks is the beginning and 
and he says he he says that that um he, t- he tells shin that this world is is a realm of dreams and madness it's like the folklores that were told when he was a kid and shin's like well maybe you know stories should just you know like stories just stay stories you know that that's why they are stories and he and basically like he he tells her about um how he seeks the beginning of this power but at the end he says if the tales if the tales are true then we'll find it basically so he is searching for something that was in a story that he was told when he was younger right um and so yeah this is connected to the folklores and legends and so he's seeking a deep ancient power um and it's something that a lot of people really just kind of thought to be folklore but that's Mm -hmm. what he's here for so he's he's not here for the empire he's not here for thrawn Mm -hmm. nothing like that he is here for the big stuff and 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 right what what i also find really interesting though is that shin never um shin is never like oh you're you're a madman you know like that that makes no sense why we're here she never really talks him down she just i mean she she might not specifically believe what he's saying but she just respects his intuition she's just like all right i guess that's why we're here but yes that is a brief scene where we kind of are given a little bit of light into his motivations yeah i was gonna say in one of my notes and this this is proven even further throughout the episode. Like I, Balin wants to fulfill his word with with Morgan Elsbeth, but I feel like he has done that. He has helped her get to Peridia. Now he wants his own goal, and so I feel like his alliance with her and Thrawn is a is a little bit fragile right now. I, I can yeah. see it getting a little bit more fragile as I'm like they their goals are different. Thrawn wants to get back and conquer the galaxy. Balin wants something else, and we still don't really know what it is. I like. I think it has something to do with the Night Mothers, um, or at the very least, the power that they are connected to. Which again, yeah. <laughs> I will talk about when okay. we when we get there. Um, okay. Well, I think I think that's a a good segue into what happens right after, where the Chimera, yep. after Sabine tries to use the Force on the door. To no avail. The Chimera pulls up. It is beaten. It is. It is not. It is worse for wear. However, patchworked together by the, these th- this golden metal. Uh, the thrusters are not working that well. But you know, thankfully they have the hyperspace ring. So they, if they want to get out, they can do that. Um, but this amazing shot, like just incredible shot of the Chimera pulling up, and the the scale of it. Like I don't. There has never been a moment in Star Wars where I have felt the scale of a Star Destroyer. Like, imagine being... Like, they give you the really good perspective of being on top of that tower and watching a Star Destroyer literally, like... Like, if you have agoraphobia, like... <laughs> yeah. You're probably, like, you're terrified right now. Um, it's, like, it's it's the best possible parking spot. Like, they... Yeah. They, no, literally, like, I love how they literally even parked the uh, the hangar bay. Yeah. Like, they, directly they, they on top of it. They lower it onto the top of the tower... It's so um, cool. Start and the, and I believe they start playing his signature uh, operatic theme. Dude, I forgot how good Thrawn's theme is. Like I don't know if it's just hitting different in this in this scene, but it is so good. And alas, Thrawn is here with his new or this army 
of of night troopers. They're called, they're, they're called night troopers, which is so cool. So cool. And continuing on the trend of the ship, they are their armor is cracked and beaten and dirty looking. Uh but they have gold kind of uh, metal filling in the cracks as well as these this red cloth, you know, wrapping their arms and their legs. And it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of sporadic for different troopers. Um, yeah, so bo- both the troopers and uh, the Chimera uh, have basically been reconstructed with one of my favorite, you know, artistic styles, the, the Japanese art style of Kintsugi. Which is yeah. basically repairing um, uh, broken pieces with like a golden etching to show the fact that it's been broken before. It's really cool. Um, but then also these night troopers have the like the red night sister cloth around them, mm-hmm. which just is even cooler. But then, yeah. but even then, we have the guy that was specifically made to sell me toys. Uh, I'm gonna buy it. E- I will buy an action figure. <laughs> e- Enoch. Enoch. Uh, dude. Thrawn's right hand man, uh, and also Short King Stormtrooper. Um, true. Short King Night Trooper, I guess. And yeah. and he and he not only has like this uh, Kintsugi and Night Sister uh, garb, but his mask has basically been hollowed out on the inside for like a Roman gladiatorial faceplate. So cool, which dude. which just looks awesome. Uh, so I am all about this guy. Uh, they they knew that we would be sad about Maroc, and so they gave us Enoch. Um, and, Move over, Maroc. And, Get out of here. <laughs> uh, and I, I, I am all here for it. He's here to sell me toys. Um, so really, speaking of Maroc, that. though, if they get back out and they and say they want to bring him back, let's just let's just go ahead before we even get to the Thrawn stuff. I mean, I feel like the popular theory and the running theory, which might connect into your tinfoil hat thing, we'll see. I'm intrigued to hear, but there's no doubt in my mind that these these troopers are undead that these ha- these troopers have been brought back from the dead by the great mothers specifically because at the end of the episode kind of the 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 the, the card ending of the episode is thrawn says great mothers i i uh, ask for your power once again right which Assuming that he's used it for something else yeah which is you know like the assumption that he's used it before so uh, yeah, so Night Troopers, not only it being in the name, which gives their association to the Night Sisters, but also mm. the red garb around them, the patchwork on the armor, like, it's kind of a no, like, I'm not going to say it's a no-brainer, but it's pretty obvious. I am almost positive all of these guys are dead, you know? Yeah, um, even the way they move is very kind of like robotic or like they're not fully there. Well, they also all chant Thrawn's name. Mm-hmm. And Thrawn isn't really the kind of guy to bask in that kind of, you know, glorification of who he is. You know, mm-hmm. uh, like, say say what you will about how evil the guy can be. But, like, he's I wouldn't really say he's very egotistical. I, I, I guess vainglorious mm-hmm. might be the word. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so I almost... And, you know, I'm glad that you brought this up because uh, I was going to mention it at some point. I believe Maroc was a way to kind of soften that blow um because clearly through maroc we have been shown that resurrected undead from night sister magic can have 
some relative autonomy and, and, and agency, you know, like they have skill, they can, you know, speak. They're not like zombies, you know, not like the ones yeah. we see in the Clone Wars. Um, they are, for lack of a better term, living, quote, beings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And we also see that with Enoch because uh, Enoch actually has a couple of lines, which, you know, we'll get to. Which They're all very cool lines. I wrote them down in my notes just so I could cite them directly. Um, but yeah, there's one line that I think of specifically that I, I was like, okay, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, we, uh, Thrawn has an army now, uh, you know, and they may just be made to sell toys. They could just be like the Sith troopers well, where they will get shot and die immediately. Um, <laughs> but they look cool. Uh, it, to me, it adds to, uh, I'll go ahead and preface. I always knew who Thrawn was growing up. I knew he was kind of a, a menace, but I've never read the original Thrawn trilogy. It is something that I think you and you and I should absolutely do down the line mm-hmm. uh, to do our homework. Um, and I have not even read the Thrawn books from the new canon, but I know he is possibly one of the most revered Legends characters. Like, put him up there with Mara Jade and Revan, Starkiller. Like, Thrawn is up there with the greatest of Legends oh, yeah. characters, right? And I always just knew, I was like, yeah, I know he's like basically like the Sherlock Holmes of bad guys and Imperials, but I never, I was just like, kind of had to take people's word for it. And Rebels, like, I liked him, but I didn't fully feel that quite yet. But I wasn't mad, but I I wasn't like mad at it. I was just like, I just don't think we got enough of him. You know, two seasons of Thrawn didn't feel like quite enough. Yeah. This entrance with the music and the Star Destroyer and now his presumably undead army of night troopers really sold me on the fact that like he got hit i mean he got his butt kicked by ezra and, and I, w- I was not mad about this but like he has bounced back over these couple years yeah like rebound like and it, it 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 was it's scary it is menacing like if i see if i'm in this back in the the, the og galaxy and thrawn pulls back up with it i'm like yeah man i'm scared like the fact that the fact that he was able to do that to manage that that's insane it's and i mean thrawn's uh imposing presence is uh tribute in no small part to lars mickelson being able to reprise his role in live action which is just awesome uh he is grand admiral thrawn it translates so well like i i mean like you see him on the screen and you're just like, yeah, that's Thrawn because it is. Yeah. You know, it's the same voice, it's the same actor. Like, and and he plays his part so well. Um, yeah. And also, he looks great. You know. Yeah. Like, I I really I'm, I'm, feel like they managed to properly just put him in live action just so well. There's a shot somewhere in the episode where like the room is a little bit dark, but you can see the glimmer of his of his pupils, basically like because he has fully red eyes but the pupils are also red and it was you could literally just see like just the middle part of his eyes like almost glowing and i was like dude that is scary like that is but like it's just he doesn't he's not vader you know it's not a physical imposing presence like it is there's like this guy knows way more than you ever will, and that's what makes him scary, you know? Yeah, um, it's just the the his sheer existence which should make you start like checking behind you, you know, checking for corners right. and stuff like that. Um yeah. you just don't really know what he has in mind. Uh and that calm, collected nature just throughout each and every situation, you know, it just makes you I don't know, it just makes your spine shiver. <laughs> 
Thrawn is a Sigma male, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Thr- hey, you, you wonder how Thrawn was able to rebuild himself. He's been on that Sigma male grind set. That's how <laughs> he did it. Oh man, but yeah, yeah, no, it's it's his entrance was wasn't was perfect, dude. So um, so then now, uh, he brings Sabine forth to him, and he's basically like, yeah, you know, like you helped my you, you helped my quote unquote friends uh, get mm-hmm. to me. Now I'll help you go find your friend. You know, like eye for an eye, honor, honor for yeah. honor, right? Do it, sure, and. Uh, I would say, like, I love that little interaction there because he he he's like, uh, he says something along the lines of like, it's so nice to finally see a, a familiar face, right? Um, or something he doesn't like know that. he doesn't know Balin and Shin. Like he says like, ah, you must be General Balin's skull of the of the Jedi Order. Yeah. And I was like, oh, he knows who Balin is, but he's like, I don't. He doesn't know who Shin is. But then he's like, L- ah, little like, bit of lore I, I though. A little bit of lore though that Balin was a general, uh, which is kind of neat. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, and then Sabine immediately just, uh, she's just like, yeah, where's Ezra? I don't want to. I don't want to yeah. hear it. Um, she handles herself very well in that situation. He's just like, man. Very good. He's like, there's no need for hostility. You know, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll help you. You know, go find Ezra. It's very, it's very Thrawn, just kind of mitigating the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I like that a uh, lot. Yeah. Oh, right. And she. I, I'm not sure what specifically she says, but he just like creeps forward to her and he says, "You've gambled the li- the fate of your galaxy on that belief that that, that basically Ezra is alive." Um, yeah. And he seems almost astounded, like you really gave away. Like, you're you're ent- that stupid. He's like, "You you gave away the entire galaxy. Submit to my rule on the belief that your friend is is alive." And then she's basically like, "That's something you you wouldn't know." Um, and he's yeah. and he just says, perhaps not. Um, as is very very good. Really scene. good, yeah, dude. Oh man, I didn't even feel the weight of that until you just re- like, like replanted that. Yeah, dude, it's really good. Yeah. Like you can clearly see the contrast in their their motivations. You know. Yeah, and he's like, um, it's like, I don't even think he's trying to mock her either. He just seems genuinely intrigued on that kind of motivation to just throw away everything for one person. And he, in my head, you know you saying that makes me think he's going to use that against her. Oh, yeah. He'll find a way to use that against the our band of heroes in the future. Like He's basically like, oh, mental note. We'll do stupid stuff for their friend, even if they only think he is alive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he... That I mean, that is, that is Thrawn's evil machinacious mind at work, right? Yeah. Um, if machinacious is even a word, don't even ask. Um, but uh, honestly, like I, I just thought that that was such a fantastic display of his character. We already know yeah. who he is and what he's all about, and Lars Mikkelsen plays him so well. Um, his voice is so good. Like he, I remember oh, when yeah. he got cast, and I and I was like, oh, I was like, I don't really know who he is. But then he did. When I mean Rebels, his voice is phenomenal. I don't know. To me, it's like it it hits even different here, you know. Um, but uh, I think my only like, if you wanted to call it nitpick, was like 
obviously he looks older than what he was seeing in Rebels. I don't know how Chiss age. I'm assuming they age like normal people. Maybe they don't in canon. They could. They've never set any pre-established like aging years on it. So, I'm I'm not worried about it. Like in, at this point in the timeline, assuming how old he was in Rebels, uh, he would. They, they there's someone found out like what year he was born, and that like he would be in his seventies at this point or something like that. So I'm like I don't really care. I mean, like he looks. Yeah, I mean the the guy's also been like struggling to survive as far as we know. Yeah, um, and I, I, I'm totally fine with it. I, I don't even care. I just, I just chalk it up to like a obviously like you know they never they were gonna get to do live action, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, it's fine. So it's I'm not worried about it. He did a great job, um, and he, and he to me he looks great. But, um, man, I'm complete like that was that was, I'm just thinking about that scene, and I don't even remember what like. There, I feel like there's some sort of dialogue that kind of happens in between. But the next thing I remember is basically. He sends, he commands Enoch to be like, send her off to go find. Yeah, no, Ezra, you're, like, give her one of the. You're, you're right. They 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 saddle her up and, and they let her go. They they let her go on a new Star Wars creature to us. Uh, this, as far as we know, this creature is not even in Legends. It's called a Howler. Uh, it's interesting because there are Howlers in Legends, and I only know this because the they're creatures on Yavin Four oh. uh, in Legends, but they look like giant like Komodo dragons. They don't look like this at all. Okay, so, so they're new, yeah. but they're called Howlers still. But that basically yeah. it's, it's a generic term. It, it's like a warg, you know. Yeah. Um, and Enoch, <laughs> Enoch, my guy. As as Sabine is a uh, honor howler, he says, uh, "Be warned, Butch. nomads wander the wasteland and prey upon each other for survival. Here are your weapons. Die well, dude. So good, man. Uh, like, oh man, I I just I love this guy. Um, yeah. hand, hands are a lightsaber. You know, it's I mean it's it's honor. It's a twisted form of honor, but like you know, mm-hmm. die well." You know, I, I uh, yeah, what, what a Chad, like, what a Chad, and it also just sets up the unknown, further unknown of this world of like, what is on this world? You know, like absolutely, there's ban- what kind of creatures are here? Like bandits, you know, and like even if, like you said, even if it was, I wouldn't even feel like this if it was in our normal galaxy, but because it's in this completely unknown galaxy, it's like I don't know what could lurk here. Right, you know? you're, you're it's you're being thrown into the into the free roam open space of a video game, right? And you don't have a map. You don't know what's out there. You don't know you, like what. You've never seen a trailer. You don't even know what genre of game. Yeah, this you don't. Is. You don't know you, what lurks. You know what it it feels like. What? You said there was a line that Balin said. It's like this is a, a land of dreams and madness. And I don't know why, but in my head, that. And this is also may, not maybe not everybody's gonna get this, but that's okay because you and I will. Uh, it immediately made me think this planet feels like a Soulsborne game. Yeah. Oh, it's like the was, uh, it's like the Nightmare I, it, Frontier and Bloodborne. I was like, it, that it feels like the lands between, but like Man. the crappy parts of it, like <laughs> you know, it feels like the Thirteenth Swamp that Miyazaki made. <laughs> like, no, but like it's, it, and also it feels a little bit like Ghost of Tsushima. Which we'll get into. I mean, very shortly yeah. after, um, where because there's the the bandits that are on this planet are dressed in like she gets attacked and they're like in samurai gear. They they remind they're me of like the this, Fallen from Destiny a bit. Like, that's a good that's a good comparison. Yeah, yeah and then the way that their helmets look. It, either way, like 
the the expanse of this land and and the way that uh enoch's line delivery is and they kind of like set her up for this journey but not only a journey mm -hmm. they expect her to die um is a great way to just set up this land is unfriendly yeah. um and yeah they set her off uh and we have we have the villains watch her ride into the distance yeah. um and uh shin says she's on a fool's errand um and thrawn is like indeed you may follow her at at, at your own pace uh yeah and then shin's just like oh i mean like B balen's like of uh like yes yes grand admiral and shin's like what you know but yeah. essentially she, and like she she looks at him and she's like well what about what about like the your your honor that that you that you told her mm -hmm. that you know that what why are you not honoring your your promise to her which is interesting right because like yeah as far as we know shin has been sabine wren's biggest hater uh yeah you yes, you yes. you have no power you suck you know like basically just <laughs> just die i hate you right <laughs> um but but for once she's like you're not honoring the, the thing that, that you said to her which is yeah. interesting like she she shin seems to hold honor and promises in high esteem um and and what's even more interesting to me is that this means that this hasn't happened before with Balin. Like, this is un like an uncharacteristic moment for him. Of Balin. Yeah. Yeah. And so like she's not used to him doing this kind of thing, which is very interesting. It it, it goes against yeah. like his teachings from her. Um and, and Balin doesn't even say anything. He just he just walks off. So mm -hmm. I think he's clearly uncomfortable by this situation, but it is making me think that at this point of being so close to this power, Balin might be willing to do anything, even forsake like this honor of his, uh, in order to get what he wants. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, it's <sighs> to be honest, like testament to Dave Filoni, man. He has made in this show there I mean I would listen before the the first when the first trailer for this show came out I was already immediately fascinated fascinated by Balin and Shin throughout this show as each episode proceeds and we get more and more details on Balin and Shin and their relationship and their history and they they're they have become my favorite characters in this show. Yeah, like my, mine too. without I a doubt, them. I love them so they're, much. They're, they're like they just feel like such a foil to Ahsoka and Sabine. But they again this this whole show like if I had to describe one, if I had to describe this show thus far in one term, it would just be mystery. And they they hold up in that as just like there's just so much mystery to them in how they operate, where their uh, alliances lie, where their honor and code is drawn, mm -hmm. their their goals, their ambitions. And even this now, it's like, yeah, you're right. Like, it seems like we've, I've, I'm like, okay, maybe I'm finally getting a grasp on how Balin and Shin operate. But now it's like, okay, yeah, like, well, even, it, I don't know. Even man. at this point, Shin is confused. Like, it's a mystery to yeah. her too. Right. Yeah. And so there's starting to be a, a rift that's forming between the two of them. And mm -hmm. and I just I'm just so intrigued to see where this goes. These two characters are so interesting to me that I want nothing but justice for do you, their story arcs. Do you mind since I, I honestly other than this piece of dialogue, there's not much that I, I want to cover in terms of like there's like not a whole lot of like heavy dialogue pieces, but 
I want to go ahead and jump ahead straight while we're on the topic and very passionate about it is their their dialogue when they're chasing Sabine. Basically, Sabine gets attacked by these guys. Yeah, she handles that. them very well. And then, you know, she's kind of trying to, you know, find Ezra. And Balin and Shin do follow. Yeah. Uh, and they come across these uh, dispatched uh, bandits. Yeah. Is their dialogue fresh on your memory? Because I, the thing that I'm remembering is like, she asks him if he misses the Jedi Order. Yes. Uh, um, and sp- speaking of like Ezra being a Boken Jedi, being an, a Jedi that was trained in an era when the the Order was fallen, and and Shin is like, oh, like me, and he's like, no, you were trained for you. You're something more. Yeah. So um, essentially, yeah. like, um. I, I'm pretty sure the way that it goes is that um, they the, she 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 asks what he knows of of, of Ezra mm-hmm. Bridger right and then he and then he says that you know uh, I never knew him he's too young he's he's a part of a breed of Boken Jedi who were trained yeah. in the wild after the fall of the Order which like just uh, Boken Jedi, like just the idea of that is is just so cool to me. I, like it's I don't really know cool. why. Like that, that's just such a nice uh, way of putting it. Um, I, um, after that, uh, yeah, and she, she she does say like me, um, and he says no, I trained you to be something more, you know. Yeah. Um, which I thought was interesting. I guess that means that all this time she has kind of considered herself some part of a Jedi. Um, yeah. but he, you know, he, he wants to instill like, yeah, no, you're not that we're, we're not the Jedi. Don't worry about that Padawan braid on you. We're, we're not the Jedi. Um, yeah. And, uh, I don't know in that specific instance, it kind of made me think like, well, I mean, I, I guess I'll say this point after I speak about the rest of her dialogue, she says, do you miss it? Uh, the order. And he says, um, I miss the idea of it, but not the truth. Yeah. I miss the idea of it, but not the truth or the weakness. Yeah. Um, and it, it seems to, first off, like, that's just such a, I mean, I love their characters so much. Balin is just fantastic. But basically what I was trying to say is like, she, she's clearly interested about, and I say deservedly, like her Jedi heritage. You know, she was taught yeah. by uh, a Jedi master, and she thinks that she is also one of them. I feel like Shin is trying to look for a place of belonging. Personally, mm-hmm. um, I feel like she is just trying to look for a place that she can call her own. Um, yeah. I think she does seek power, but I think that might also be because he seeks power. She doesn't seem right. to be particularly interested in remaining on Peridia. She just wants to find somewhere to belong. Um, yeah. And I think that is also creating a further rift between the two of them. Either way, um, excellent pieces of dialogue. Uh, yeah. I, I wrote down is in it- my notes here. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say, is it in the, Was it in a previous episode, or was it some point in this episode where he was like, "I watched my entire world burn"? Um, and uh, was it in this episode, or was it? It wasn't in episode five. I, th- I, th- I mean, sorry, four. Um, I think it was. In he this says, episode. He says it at some point, like talking about like when the the temple uh, was just. I I think. I think maybe when he's talking to Thrawn and he's asking who he is and he's like of the Jedi and he's like I you know I watched it burn or maybe it's the it doesn't really matter but but yeah I was just I was like trying to remember when that was from but but go ahead what were you gonna say uh well I I wrote down in my notes here that 
I think I think I honestly spoke too soon about my assumption that she will end up killing him. Um, mm-hmm. If she does, I don't think it would be something she wants to do. I actually think that yeah. there is. I'm starting to feel that there actually is a very strong bond between them. Uh, at the very least, a very strong respect that she has for her master and and his yeah. ideals. Um, and I think if she didn't respect him, then she wouldn't question why he's doing these things. Yeah, you know. And so I don't think I I, I actually don't foresee that we will have this route where she turns evil or whatever and and ends up taking him down. Yeah. Um, I think if anything, it might end up being a thing where he refuses to give up this idea of his power. And then she is kind of forced to join the light side. And like, that's what I'm, I'm I'm imagining like a scenario where like, she's kind of pressured into (laughs) a video game moment of like making the light side, dark side choice where it's like, you know, Balin has Ahsoka or Sabine, you know, they're about to go down. Right. Yeah. And she's seeing kind of this obsession spiral and she's really trying to decide like, is this something that she wants to continue following Balin or is he, is he, is he going too far down a path and it's up to her whether to let it happen or to stop him. And very much, I could see that being a direct, almost parallel to Anakin yeah, uh, with, with Windu and Palpatine where he's like, does he, does he let Palpatine or Windu take out Palpatine or does he, does he take him out? You know, I could see, I could very much, I mean, that is a, a recurring theme in star Wars. And so You're right. I could definitely see a situation like that for sure. But it, it all it, I think it all hinges on the fact of how far Balin goes in his mission and what his mission even is because again if we go back to this what we've said in past episodes if if Balin and Shin or the the Hati and Skull are the wolves that um, are crucial in the commencement of Ragnarok in Greek mythology if you think about Ragnarok, that that is a a new beginning, is and it's very akin to what he says. It is a, a a fresh start. That makes me think that ties into something of like, is he trying to like wipe the galaxy clean, you know, to like start over? Yeah. I'm like that feels like an extreme, you know. Like I don't even think Shin knows exactly what they want. And it might come to a a, a point where like it's revealed what Balin is trying to do, and she's kind of like this is what we're doing the whole time. And it's like, does she stay devoted to her master through loyalty or does she do the right thing? Um, oh boy. I don't know. It's, I, I don't want to read too much into it, but I definitely feel like that's kind of the direction that we're going. And we're, we're starting to see little, little tiny hair fractures in maybe her, her sense of judgment or Balin's code. Um, yeah, but I'm highly fascinated. I, I think you're. I think we're both on to something here about this. I, I don't know, but uh, I hope if if this if this is the end of you know if this season is is the end of Balin's story, um, I hope that we get more of Shin in the future. And I would personally love to get, um, you know, unfortunately we're, we're not we won't be able to get anything else with. Um, with Ray Stevenson as, as yeah, Balin, with, if it's a prequel or anything, which would, is is just tragic. I, I I just wish he knew the the level of praise that this character is getting yeah. from all fans. But um, I uh, 
I'm listening to music right now and and the force theme is playing so it feels very very um timely but um but yeah I hope we get more of of his backstory personally I would love a book I would love um an animated show even dude um, I would or or something uh, a comic I mean I would adore just some kind of media about him uh finding and and training Shin yeah and I I think that's another thing to, to think about is like I wonder really how long Balin has been training Shin. I mean, Shin definitely seems like, you know, she's, a, you know, at the youngest, her early 20s, oldest, you know, maybe maybe approaching her 30s. Um, you know, how long was Balin out there before he decided he was going to strike up his own? I don't know. There's a lot of questions that I think and a, a lot of things that would add up to his motivations that I would personally love to see. But I'm loving that, you know, again, we're embracing the journey and not the destination i don't i i love getting these little tidbits and, yeah. and things that's that's what makes it fun you know um so yeah i'm excited for these next episodes for their characters but unless you have anything else to say about them back to sabine right um, uh, so we'll we'll take a quick step back and just kind of follow her story uh she she comes upon these these roaming uh, I'm, I don't really know if I want to say bandits, but they seem more like raiders. Yeah, raiders, I guess. Yeah. Um, and uh, I gotta say, like very, very, very cool, like little fight sequence with them. Like she might not be a master with a saber, but she's no slouch as a warrior. I mean, like I, I'm, I love what the Mandalorian show has done for Mandalorian combat. And yeah, you can very see like that has been translated with her movements because yeah, I forget she doesn't have her helmet, so. Uh, I mean, it might be a stunt double, but she, you know, she's using her her um, her armor, and there's a part where she uses her grappling hook, and mm-hmm. she's just very like fluid with it. And finally, she pulls out the saber, and uh, you know, and she might not she might not be a prequel level or high republic Jedi master. But she knows how to use that. Yeah, thing. She she uh, took them all down. Thanks to my thanks to my man Kanan. Bless up. Blood uh, bless up. <laughs> we we miss you, G. Um, uh, and then we get. We, we we get a cute little sequence of uh her with this with this howler creature of hers uh where it's like we, we we do the long shot of it following her and then she's trying to get it to to leave and go home and we see it turn around and it goes out of the shot mm-hmm. and then I immediately was like I, I was just like it's gonna come back and then it starts coming back and then it's, it's it was just a, a cute little moment there um and then she comes across these hermit crab people turtles uh, <laughs> um which instantly by the way instantly ewok vibes i was about to say i have this in my notes with with both the the howler and these creatures they're they're named in the subtitles and i'm forgetting so i'll try to remember next week but but yeah these creatures that that pop up they reminded me exactly of the ewoks you're totally right and the howler Coincidentally, it reminded me a lot of uh, 3PO and R2 going through the desert in A New Hope of their kind of bickering. Yes. You know, R2 going his own way and then 3PO is like starts to follow him again, you know, like it's a different context, but it reminded me a lot of that. And I think that's just those moments right there just make like kind of bring me back of like, this is Star Wars, man. You know, like despite the blasters and everything, it's like it's moments like these that just make me think this feels like Star Wars. It, you know? it is Star Wars, like meeting an alien species and then like helping them out. And like I knew immediately I was like Ezra's he, he will have befriended these guys. Yeah. Um, and oh, yeah. And I, I looked it up. Uh, these are these are the Nazi um, like like the Nazi. Yes. Uh, and 
you know, uh, they, they start talking and then it plays like cheerful music. I'm like, man, this is, yeah. this is Leia with, with Wicket all over the again. Ewok. Yep. Yep. Um, and they lead Sabine, uh, to their, uh, well, because of, of her pauldron, right. they, they yeah, see they, the they rebellion out, pauldron, um, which was, a a symbol that, that they had seemingly universally adopted, which, which was cute. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, they had like he, one of the the main one had a, a necklace that was like wood, you know, painted or carved on it. And so I don't know if it was Ezra. I don't. Remember, I don't think it was on his clothes. His second outfit, I don't believe, had it. But I think maybe he like did a little bit of sketches or whatever, and yeah. they kind of took it upon themselves, like, hey, this is who I am. Like, this is my symbol. But but yeah, all like one they follow- of us, one of us. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and they lead her back to their temporary encampment. And, uh, Grayson, why, why, why don't you do the honors? I, I feel like you, you deserve this. Yeah, so uh, the, she she's walking through, and they've all got their little metal huts, and we see um, them just kind of doing their, their, their daily activities and housework, and she's going through, and it's very just foreign territory, and um, uh, like, like you said, a, a great par- parallel to Return of the Jedi, and uh, as she's looking around, she, uh, she hears a voice... That is Ezra Bridger uh, in full uh, Jesus uh, attire. Uh, and I believe he says, uh, it took you long enough um, or something along those lines. And you just, it's not this dramatic moment. It's just real where Sabine turns around and there is her friend. There is her her family job of the hut uh, ezra job of the hut baby <laughs> call me Jabba. <laughs> uh that's that's immediately what she says is uh i need to tell you Jabba's dead <laughs> 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 and he's like finally the title is mine um but no they uh this is ezra this is ezra to a t um i want to do the I, I i feel i have to do the credit um of of remembering the actor's name uh playing ezra so let me look it up real quick because i am blanking on it ezra bridger actor live action iman isfandi that is who is playing ezra and dude i will say right now he is probably the best translation of a, of a animated character to live action. He's it is he's doing a very good job. He sounds just like him. He looks just like him. He acts just like him. Uh-huh. I know there have been complaints of Rosario or Mary Elizabeth Winstead or N- Natasha. Uh, you know, you can say what you will. I've loved them all, but out of them. Iman has has easily taken the cake in the very brief moments that we get to see him of being. I'm like, yep, that's Ezra Bridger uh, yeah, right there. Yeah, it, it was so easy to immediately just register in my mind, like, oh yeah, that's Ezra. It, he's got the blue eyes and the scar to show for it. And um, and him and Sabine, he's older. Him and Sabine like have the the like immediate on screen chemistry. Like they embrace in a very poignant hug. Really good. Like it's just so good. And thank thank God that we're just going for like the solid friendship between the two. Yes. Like because that that's what they are. Like their their relationship was always like brother sister there. 
Um, yeah. And I just think that it, it was just so, it just felt so earned. Um, and I was going to, I forgot to say this, the, the, the last episode um, when we were talking about episode five. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's even more applicable here is that it just feels so rewarding to be an extensive Star Wars fan. Yeah. of a lot of the because you're just immediately like if it's wish fulfillment you know if la, if last i saw someone say last week was for the diehard clone wars fans this week was for the diehard rebels fans right so it know? just satisfies both and i'm both baby let's go yeah, both. <laughs> yeah and um they have they have a re- just like you said a, a really good back and forth um and uh, I, I I can't remember specifically beat for beat, but he says like, uh, "Hey, it, it worked, didn't it?" He's like, "It did work, right?" And uh, and she's like, "Yeah, it it worked." And, um, and then they and then they embrace. Yeah, and and then he's like, "Man, I he's he's like he's he's asking all these questions like, how'd you get here?' Blah blah blah. She's like, "Let's not talk about that right now because." The re- the way she got there was not good, but anyway, um, yeah, kind of sold and, off uh, the galaxy in order to get yeah, there. yeah. Thrawn's gonna destroy everyone, and basically, what you did meant nothing again. I'm kidding. Um, but and then he's like, "Man, I can't wait to go home," and it's like, "Oh yeah, about that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, we're kind of stuck here, except, um, transition back to our baddies, uh, where the the night mothers." Um, there's been a little bit happening. Um, the, the night troopers are un- unloading cargo from the tower into the star destroyer. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they've waited this long to do it. Uh, it said it's going to take three days. Why didn't they do it in the five year? Whatever. Uh, <laughs> I guess I think I think now maybe not to take up dead space or whatever. Speaking of dead space, oh, it seems like they're coffins. Oh uh, well, yeah. The, this cargo is specifically from the catacombs. <laughs> Yeah, that's um, that's a great sign. <laughs> so, uh, zombies, I think. Yeah. Uh, the, Thrawn, the Death Thrawn, Troopers. Yeah, I was about to say are... Thrawn. Thrawn read the the Death Troopers uh, Legends novel, and he was like, "Man, I want to do that one." <laughs> that's, that's yeah. cool. He's like, "Oh, that's got a that's new. Ooh, that's that's good. That's good." Um, but uh, yeah, as they're loading up the uh, the Star Destroyer and uh, Balin and Shin are out there proceeding, um, the Night Mothers. Uh, sense, I believe that a that is it that they sense that a Jedi is approaching. Um, uh, is it, it clear? They they mention that like it that like the the weave of destiny or something like that. Yeah, tells them stuff, which just <laughs> kind of which, which just kind of makes me think like, oh, so someone's speaking to them too. That's really great. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, they they basically just relay to him that Ahsoka is is uh, th- that another Jedi, um, not specifically Ahsoka. That that like another Jedi or the Pergil um, are coming. And he says, mm-hmm. "Could this be the recently deceased Ahsoka Tano?" Um, yeah. And Morgan is like, "No, she's dead." Like, no like, way. Balin assured it. Um, and, and, and he's uh, like, and Thrawn is just like. He's just like, just he's like a, well, you know, uh, <laughs> nice sister, nice sisters and Jedi are known for, you know, death and resurrection. So you tell mm-hmm. me. Um, and then he's yeah. like, I want to know everything about Ahsoka Tano, her master, where she came from. Like, and what's interesting is that he didn't know about her. 
Um, I've heard, a, yeah. I heard, I've heard a lot of online. I guess I want to. I, I guess I have to say discourse about him not knowing about her. Um, yeah. But maybe she just wasn't really. I mean, I, I guess she was kind of operating as Fulcrum for a long time. So I, I'm not really surprised that he that she kind of dropped into the realm of obscurity. Well, the uh, weirdest thing that not that, but the weirdest thing is, and I know. <laughs> This is this is gonna bother me, but I know that in the second Thrawn book, I believe it's Thrawn Alliances, he directly works with Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, um, uh, in the in the Republic, she, when she was his, I, I mean, I think she was his apprentice. I believe it is right before uh, he takes her on as an apprentice. Really? Yeah. So it's before the Clone oh. War. It, it's before the Clone Wars movie. Um, oh, and so, okay. Well, like, never mind. I stand corrected. By, no, no, no. By, by the, by, by like the, the the skin on her teeth, Ahsoka <laughs> yeah. has managed to evade the uh, om, omniscience of Grand Admiral Thrawn until yeah. now. Um, and so now, uh, it's it's interesting that he didn't even figure it out himself, though, because you know, I think the implication is that. Basically, in that book, he I think it goes back and forth between of him working on a mission with Anakin, and then in the future, he's working with Vader. Yeah. Um, and the, I think the implication in that book is that he knows who Vader is, and, Va and Vader knows that he knows who he is, you know? And I'm like, I know that doesn't inherently mean that he would know who Ahsoka is, but it's like... Maybe that was stricken from the record or something, but like I was well, like, wouldn't he? I guess she wouldn't he like do his research and be like, oh, he had an apprentice that left him, and you know now he's uh, an evil Sith Lord. But I don't know. I don't really know how his access on knowledge is. Like if he would have been able to get that, I know. I know Vader wouldn't have told him. Be like, oh yeah, by the way, I had a battle. <laughs> like, remember that time? <laughs> it was crazy. Oh. So so I think it, I think it can be it could be explained pretty easily. But I love that the that. Thrawn is so quick to be like, I want everything on her. Yeah, like, Thrawn is the type of guy to say that Batman can win anything so long as he has prep time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, he's the yeah. he's the type of guy that if you're in an Xbox party chat and you say anything remotely negative about his mother, he's sending your IP address, <laughs> your home location, <laughs> your grandparents, your date of birth, your social security number, everything. <laughs> Dude. Uh, Thrawn, Thrawn is whack. I it, love him. It's it, it's gonna be so great that like when Ahsoka just comes out of hyperspace and he's like, ah yes, Ahsoka Tano, the Padawan of Anakin Skywalker. Like, <laughs> I know everything about you. Um, when in what? when in reality I, he just like ran into his room and did a Google search like as fast as he could. <laughs> yeah. Well, what he does say though, I believe, like he wants to know everything, and I believe he makes it clear like destroy any approaching pergil with that, with that prejudice he says yeah um, nuke them <laughs> this pergil these poor pergil just come out of hyperspace and they're just completely obliterated right as they do uh, yeah um do you think they're probably get, do you think that means like the he'll send out some of the night troopers and like the tie fighters to go out and destroy them or because i was like uh, there's only one star destroyer right like, well i wouldn't well, I think since he since he gave the order to Morgan, I feel like they have fighters inside the Eye of Sauron. Uh, Sauron, the 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 Eye of Sion. <laughs> um, inside the, uh, the the Eye of Sion, you know, because they have those like little ships, 
And they also yeah. had a bunch of uh, mercenary fighters. So I'm not surprised. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if that's, that's true. the uh, implication there. Um, but mm -hmm. then he turns to the Great Mothers and he says, Great Mothers, I require your dark magics uh, once more. And then the episode ends. Yep. Uh, so now's the now's the time. Just real fast before we wrap up. For, Let me uh, go get that tinfoil out of my kitchen. Right, for us to put on, on, my put on those tinfoil hats. So what is this power that beckons to Balin? All right, think think about it. Okay. Dathomiri ancestry, the Night Sisters, the Great Mother. This might be insane, but what if it was the Mother? A Legends character known as Abeloth. Oh my God. Um, which let's be honest. Here's the thing. So so. For, Scary. For, for the for the people that 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 don't know, Abeloth was a legends character that was basically created in tandem with uh, the the Mortis Gods Clone Wars episode. Mm -hmm. uh, when that came out, there was a bunch of supplemental material in Legends that basically went into depth about the Mortis Gods, also known as the Ones, and went into detail about a mortal woman. Uh, who became a servant to them, uh, but managed to uh, basically drink, uh, dr uh, bathe not only in the font of power, but in the well of knowledge uh, on Mortis and turned herself into a one as the mother. So we have the father, the son, the daughter, and now the mother. But since mm. she did this, like, dark ritual of partaking of these things because she didn't want to die she wanted to stay with the mortis gods because she loved them she became twisted with this dark energy this dark power until the point where the father the son and the daughter had to lock her away because she had this chaotic burgeoning power that was more powerful than anything by the way like it's like she is one of the most powerful legends characters of all time and she was only able to be defeated by Luke Skywalker and Darth Krayt collectively. They had to work together to where they only banished her spirit. And Luke was so afraid that she would come back that he managed to seek out the Mortis Dagger that killed all of the other gods and, and held it in safekeeping for her to come back. Um, so it's wild, right? But... I feel like with the connection to the world between worlds and the ones and Ragnarok and here's the thing like the great mothers this dark force energy right and and we we know that Dave loves this stuff if Abeloth was brought in you know and we still don't know what Sam Witwer's doing on the show he could still be the son right if they brought this in and kind of reformatted it to fit legends that would be so cool. Grayson, what do you think? Oh, man. Um, yeah, dude. I'll go ahead and say that I don't know if that's going to happen, but that would be sick. Yeah, like, um, I extremely I think, I think doubt it, but that would be cool. I, 
if if that is the case, Dave Filoni has absolutely cooked. Uh, <laughs> And, you know, I'm thinking about it. I was, like, adding up with your theory. I was, like, you know, say that they locked her up. Say they didn't lock her up in Mortis. They locked her in a different galaxy. They sent her to another galaxy. Yeah. With, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago. And she, bro, if she was directly, like, she was the cause of the Night Sisters, dude. Well, like, the way that. That would be insane. So, so according to the Legends lore. She thrives mm. off of chaos and war, right? Okay. So every time there is a massive war, there is a threat of her escaping. And whenever that happens, the son and the daughter have to go back to recontain her. But since the son and the daughter are now gone, there's nothing to contain her. So what makes perfect sense is is for her to use Thrawn to instigate a new war to bring out enough chaos to mark her return. Uh, I mean, that would be nuts. That would just be absolutely nuts. Or even then, it was like maybe the the Galactic Civil War was was only enough to break her chains, you know, or to maybe give her enough power to basically like maybe she was she's been weak for years and years, and you know, because. Um. Yeah, because basically, they, you know, they died in the Clone Wars. We tra- something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I think you're onto something there. That would be. I I'll be honest. I knew about Abeloth, but I didn't know that much. I didn't know that like they had. I didn't know that her stuff had come out simultaneously with the Mortis stuff from Clone Wars. So that's really cool that they did that. I also did not know that it was Luke and Crate that had to defeat her. Um. Imagine if the heir to the Empire movie was not just Thrawn, but also Abeloth. I mean, uh, it could be nuts. Like, it could just... They, they could take our understanding of the Force and, like, of these deities and stuff like that and just throw it to astronomical levels. I'm just saying. I mean, be it, nuts. And it, the thing is, is, like, if, with Peridia and the overall just nature of this planet and honestly the vibes that it's giving off have been very i'm really liking it because it feels in tandem with spooky season you know like that the fact that we're going to the show we're we're approaching october when the show ends it will have you know we're a couple weeks out from halloween i love halloween halloween is my favorite holiday dude abeloth would fit in perfectly with that because i just i'm for anybody who doesn't know what she looks like there is a key art image that is engraved in my head where it is just this this beautiful woman with long hair but she just has this this just like this mouth full of just monstrous teeth and blood covering mm-hmm. her mouth that is what i think of when i think of abloth and it's like she is horrifying yeah she is a souls born boss right you know like so the 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 reason that she got that way is that when when the ones were once just kind of considered celestial type beings and they and they uh, remained on Mortis, uh, mm-hmm. the sun uh, basically drank from the, the the sun bathed in the font of power because he wanted power. The daughter bathed in the well of knowledge, which you know was for the light side. They both they both represented both. Uh, sides but they had both in their indulgences set them on either side of the spectrum and the father had to keep them in line 
Eventually, a mortal woman who was at the time referred to as the servant basically took care of the family and helped the father kind of keep them in line because they 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 loved her so much they wanted to keep her there and like you know just spend time with her because they were she was immortal that they could finally appreciate um mm-hmm. but as she started to grow older she was growing frailer and she realized that she was going to die and so in an effort to become immortal she drank not only f- she she bathed not only in the font of power but in the well of knowledge combining both and became twisted and dark within the force to become this entity of chaos that she herself could not control um almost becoming like the antithesis of the father um right and it's just such a fantastic story that was implemented solely from that only three-ish episode arc from clone wars um that like to throw it away it's just it would be so cool to bring that in man um yeah i mean she was this she was like one of the sole reasons why uh i think his name is like jason solo uh why Uh why he turned to the dark side really yes um because she was supplanting visions in him of like a like a dark future and so he became this way to kind of stop it i guess um but like man it's it's nuts i'm going off too much of a tangent here this is a whole legends episode at this point yeah man um it's go- what it's gonna be so funny when it's th- just revealed that it's palpatine the entire time <laughs> no man no, i ha- i hope palpatine is not in this story yeah, I, hope, I think that's a dif- different thing for a different day but what what books were these from the or you know comics or whatever uh it was like the, the like the allies one or, or what whatever it was mm-hmm. it, it, it was uh i think they were released in like the 2010s um okay but yeah it's it's those kinds of okay. of, of legends books okay interesting man yeah if they if they changed it a little bit to make it where she was kind of the inspiration for the night sisters being this form of dark and twisted version of the force yeah okay you know if, if sorry just to confirm she appeared in the fate of the jedi novel series which okay. uh was from 2009 to 2010 uh 2011 okay i've heard of those books before okay gotcha yeah if, if she was like the causation of like the origins of the night sisters and like maybe why they have been so I would say weak over the past, you know, from what we've seen them. And it's like, if this is going to be like the true unleashing of their power, like feeding off the chaos and war, like Thrawn and the great mothers and the night troopers and Abeloth, like just this weird, twisted, dark, you like, listen to me. I'm, I'm, I'm for it, dude. Like that sounds really cool. And even if, I don't know, man. Yeah. You, that's a really cool theory. I like that. Uh, even if it doesn't, I won't be upset if it doesn't happen, but like, if I did, I'd be like, that's insane. Um, He's Valen is seeking the 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 beginning. You know what? What better to do that than by seeking the only remaining one left? So, so do you think if if this is the case, right, with regarding Balin, does he want to kill her or does he want to use her? So here's the thing in. In episode four, he tells Ahsoka that you need to destroy in order to create. 
Mm -hmm. So I feel like he wants to use potentially Abeloth to basically throw the galaxy into chaos and wipe the slate clean. So you're saying that Balin in can you explain this in Elden Ring's terms? He's basically the 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 uh <laughs> the frenzied flame yeah. frenzied flame ending. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. I th I think <laughs> yeah. I think he wants to raise it all to cinders and yeah. wait for new seeds to grow. Um it's it's man. the orange lightsaber man, frenzied flame. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but anyway, here's me making Balin's skull in my next Elden Ring playthrough. Do it, do <laughs> Yo, it. that'd be kind of sick. I might do that. Tank, um, tank build. Um, oh yeah, give me that heavy great sword. Anyway, all right. I think that I think we can end the episode there. I think we have we have. I think this was a great episode. I I, I love doing this episode. Um, yeah. Thanks for that awesome theory, because that, that was cool. Yeah, um, I, I can't wait for another one of my theories to be wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, remember when our theory about Ahsoka being asked to stay in the world between worlds it just didn't happen? Yeah, I mean, anyway. if anything, it's just a testament to just how wildly uh, our minds can spin yeah, when yeah. when the information isn't spoon-fed to us. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I mean, at least I'm not saying that it's that it's that one youngling from the shot in Revenge of the Sith. Like, like I swear Bro, to God, everybody says it's that guy. I was like, dude, not everybody is just some someone that we saw, you know? Um, but yeah, so... <sighs> Take a breath. That is gonna do it. For this episode of the podcast, um, covering Ahsoka, episode six, two episodes left, um, one in just a couple days, uh, and the finale in about a week and a half, we got two weeks. Heridia, the Night Mothers, we got Thrawn, Enoch, Jabba the Hutt, Avaloth, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Yarrow Yarrow, dude, it's your, it's your Sorry, Avaloth, get out of Sorry, here. Sorry, Avaloth, it's your <laughs> Yarapoof is the official like, mascot I've gotten the pizza. of Mortis FM. <laughs> uh, people, listen, here's your homework for this episode, all right? Treat yourself. Go watch the Yarapoof robot chicken skits <laughs> from for, for the Star Wars robot chicken skits. You're welcome. Cole showed them to me, and now I pass on I pass on what I've learned. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you guys all for listening. Uh, I appreciate you guys bearing with our kind of unusual schedule, but hey, that's just that's just what happens when you're up and coming Star Wars podcasters. But um, you can follow us on Instagram at MortisFM. That's where we keep up to date. I still have not made a post saying that there was one for episode five, so um, I will I will make one for this episode and the last episode to, to the, it'll be like it'll be like two it'll be like christmas morning um, <laughs> <There> you, <go. laughs> you can follow me at straights there eight on instagram as well and where can you find where where can i find you i know where you, cole tell me <laughs> chris and you can find me at my address um uh, you can find me on and instagram at and the forces with me I believe that more and more every day that it is. Oh, I know it is. Let's go. Um, yeah, so that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, keep an eye on the next discussion that we have. Probably will be about a week from now. Um, and pretty soon we'll have to start discussing what our content will be after Ahsoka. Because that's really been the bulk of our, our show. But trust us, there is a lot more 
a lot we have a lot more ideas cooking oh yeah um so don't worry about us going anywhere after ahsoka ends in fact we might end up needing to even do an episode after ahsoka episode eight just to be able to talk about our show or our ideas in whole of what we thought of the show um so yeah we'll figure it out it'll be all right thank you all for listening may the force be with you always <laughs>